podcast where our mission is to offer thoughtful and inspiring parenting and educational programming. We are committed to producing impactful podcasts that add value to conversations around education, student advocacy, and parental challenges. My name is Heather Moore, and I'm the head of school at Straylitz International Academy in Virginia Beach, and I will be your host. I have over 28 years of experience in independent schools with eight years as a head of school and 20 years serving as an independent school chief financial officer. I also have raised two children, one finishing medical school and one starting law school, and have been married to my wonderful husband for over 31 years. Good morning. On today's episode, we will discuss the Suzuki method and why SIA follows this approach to learning music. Joining us today is Alexandra Marlins, SIA Strings Teacher. Welcome, Alex. Hi, thank you so much for having me. We are so excited to have you. So as we get started, first, could you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. So I grew up actually in the area in Virginia Beach. Um, I was homeschooled all the way through, and I went away to college in a little tiny liberal arts university in Cleveland, Tennessee, got my bachelor's in music education and moved right back here. And it was that October that Christina Morton, who was my violin teacher growing up, called, yeah, fun fact. (laughs) So she calls me and goes, what are you doing on Tuesdays from 10 to 2? And I said, absolutely nothing because I need more work. And so that's when I started teaching here. And so this is my ninth year, if you can believe it. I cannot believe it. Boy, that really flew by. It really, really did. Oh my gosh. Well, we are very happy to have you here at SIA. Yeah, thank you so much. So, Suzuki who? What (laughs) is the Suzuki method? Can you tell us a little bit about what it is and what we do? Sure. So, the Suzuki method was designed by Dr. Shinichi Suzuki in Japan. um, And it was originally designed for very early childhood. And it centers around um, string instrument instruction and the main principles of it are that you are learning first by ear and there's lots of memorizing music and it's a combination of private lessons with group classes. What does that mean, learning by ear? So Dr. Suzuki called this the mother tongue method um, and that was one of his big tenets of why he started this method was because children learn to talk by listening and by copying their parents and that sometimes it's not even whole words, it's little syllables at a time and traditional music education, especially in big groups like orchestra and band and stuff, we're expecting fourth, fifth, sixth graders to start reading music right away. And Dr. Suzuki saw that and went, that's kind of absurd (laughs) that we're asking kids to learn a new language by reading it. Whereas we learn our native language by hearing it over and over and over and then slowly, little bit by little bit, copying it. And if you watch babies and toddlers learning how to speak, it's like one little syllable and then it's dada for a whole month. Mm-hmm. And then it's suddenly they have like full sentences and phrases. And, and that's the way that it works when young children are learning to copy music too. It's very much like you will hear one little sound over and over and over for months and suddenly like they can replicate whole songs. It's really, really cool. Wow, that is so interesting. And what what a good observation uh, by Dr. Suzuki because it's true. You're not going to just put words in front of a child and expect Mm -hmm. them to learn the language. So that is very, very interesting. I would have never thought about that. Yeah. So I guess we've already kind of said who it was, but it was created by who, who created the Suzuki method, obviously Dr. Suzuki. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and he has an interesting, interesting start to his story. His family, the Suzuki family, owns a um, violin-making factory. And so when he was growing up in the early, he was born in 1899. Oh, 1899. And died in 1998. Okay. He was almost 100 years old. Wow. <laughs> and I live in one of those blue zones we learned about in the wellness class the other day. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe so. But um, he did not actually grow up doing music. He There's an anecdote in one of his autobiographies about how he would take the broken pieces or the the violins that were rejected or thrown away for whatever reason and use them as baseball bats <laughs> behind the factory. Okay. <laughs> um, so he was definitely not, you know, didn't value music or classical music in the same way, but he was always kind of fascinated by it and like listening to it. And he started teaching himself when he was 15 and it was largely self-taught the whole time. Okay. So interesting. Yeah. Okay. So before we move on to really start talking about what are the principles of the Suzuki method, can we just talk about what age or grade level do we start violin here at SIA? So starting kindergarten, all kindergartners and all first graders take violin class. And then after that age, it becomes optional whether they continue with the violin or do a more like general music route. Um, and lately I've been collaborating with Michal Newman, the music teacher, to do more general instruments like the xylophone and the recorder and involve them in our orchestra class. And the kindergartners start as is common in the Suzuki method. They start on not a real instrument. They start on foamolins, which are made out of blue styrofoam. They're very durable. Um, you drop it, it doesn't break into a million pieces, you know, and it teaches them a little bit more personal responsibility before I hand them a really expensive and delicate instrument. And they respond really well to that. And when they get there, they work so hard for months and months and months in the day. Like we get to finally touch our, our real violins is like such a huge deal in kindergarten. (laughs) Um, I know the kids are always very excited when they finally are allowed to take that violin home. Yes, it's a very big day. So that's not typical, though, in other schools for students to start learning violin at kindergarten. What age typically do schools introduce instruments? This varies. I found out this when I went to college. It varies around the country. But in our area, a lot of schools start in fifth grade. Um, They'll have an opportunity as fifth graders to try out either orchestra or band or choir. And then in middle school, they kind of decide which track they want to take for sure and which instrument they want to stick with. Okay, so that kind of makes us stand out a little bit. It gives children an opportunity to learn a lot more about music at a much younger age, which is really important in brain development, actually, but we can talk about that. Let's cover what are the principles of the Suzuki method. So I talked about the mother tongue method a little bit already, but the main principle is that we are getting them to listen to quality recordings and quality, like real life, you and me in the room, playing quality tone and sound at the very early age so that they know what they're trying to mimic. And not just that I'm copying the correct pitch, but that this is the tone that I'm going for. Dr. Suzuki always said, beautiful tone, beautiful heart. That was like one of his mantras. So it was a, a big deal to him that we're not just creating a song, but that it's very pleasant to listen to from the beginning, which is very counterintuitive when you're thinking about stringed instruments, because everybody associates it with the like the squeaking and the squealing of the violin strings when they're first starting and not really knowing how to create a tone so my my goal in life is to avoid that (laughs) as much as possible by um, spending more time listening ahead of time and also like spending more time on the foundations of positions and how we hold the bow and all of the things that set us up for success in creating a good tone 
Um, so there's that aspect and then the aspect of learning everything by ear. We do little bite-sized pieces and copy them. It would be like I'm telling you one word at a time. I'm not yeah. going to read you a whole paragraph and expect you to copy the paragraph exactly what I said. So we learn like a one little rhythm pattern. There's this. Um, it goes teka, teka, stop, stop. And it's like the opening measure of the Bach double violin concerto, which is doc- one of Dr. Suzuki's favorite pieces. And that's the first rhythm that they learn. And they learn okay. it just on an open string with no fingers really basic little it's a lot of little baby steps one at a time and focus on creating the big tone versus focus on like wait how many songs have you learned like right that sort of thing okay. and then group class is also a huge part because a lot of times people think of the Suzuki method as being like a private lesson and that is really important to have like parent teacher and student all kind of working together and supporting each other but also kids that young don't get to play in ensembles usually in orchestra or anything Uh, like that so learning to match pitch with someone else or create or stop your bow at exactly the same time and all those skills that they need to be in middle school orchestra they don't get to develop until much later so this having them playing in groups even on very basic rhythms and sounds helps them build those skills for later so that they don't have to spend as much focus on that and they can spend more focus on reading the music okay that makes a lot of sense I can see why this method is really valuable I can actually remember when uh, my oldest son was in kindergarten at our school (laughs) and went through the whole Suzuki violin process I also remember practicing at home and it really was a little bit torturous in the beginning, yeah, yes. <laughs> but I have to say it really did start his love of music and his mm-hmm. whole life he played, he still plays instruments. So he started violin, then he, he went to, he actually went to cello Yeah. Um, and then he ended up on the bass. He taught himself how to play multiple different kinds of guitars. That is like his relaxation mode mm-hmm. now that he's an adult. When he needs to relax, he'll get a guitar down and just play. So... You can see it does have an impact on on your children's life, actually. Yeah, definitely. And I find out that kids that start with this method, it because it's so gamified and so like little small pieces so they can be successful very early, it becomes less of a chore to want to practice and to continue with the instrument and study, you know, like we think of it in music school, like studying and practicing and woodshedding. And to them, it's more it's play. Right. Absolutely. Okay. So what else about the principles of the method? Have we covered them all? I think that's the, that's the main, the main gist. <laughs> okay. So do you, obviously I'm going to, I know what you're going to say to this, but do you think that the Suzuki method is the most effective method to, you know, learning to play an instrument, learning to read music and understand music? So your, your testimony that you just said about your son, <laughs> I know, right, is, is a very good example that because we take away a lot of the mystery of learning music and the difficulty of learning a new language at the same time and the music theory, which I love, but like the, it's, it's hard for a lot of kids when they're starting out and we just make it take listen to this sound and copy it and because they're able to create a pleasant tone and a, and beautiful songs right away from the beginning it makes them really passionate about it my students personally love it and one of my favorite things is they'll go home if I have an older sibling and a younger sibling maybe the younger sibling isn't even taking lessons with me yet but the older sibling will be playing a song in her lesson and her little brother sitting on the floor humming it because he's heard it so many times <laughs> and it becomes like such a family ritual when you're practicing at home all together and it's great for developing relationships and it it becomes so much more than just playing the music itself and I think that's why it's so successful and so many kids stick with it and I have a short list of 
famous violinist okay. that started with the Suzuki method. You can YouTube any of these kids. Joshua Bell, Sarah Chang, Hilary Hahn, who just she just re-recorded um, some of our Suzuki rec- like CDs to listen to because she grew up with it. She just recorded books one through three for us again. Um, Ray Chen, um, the duo Black Violin. If you YouTube them, they are so cool. They do hip hop music and blend it with classical music. Ooh, and they neat. grew up as Suzuki kids. Okay. Um, and these are just the soloists. These aren't even the hundreds of orchestra musicians and concert masters around the world that grew up Suzuki methods. So it's highly, highly effective. (laughs) I think also just listening to your description, it's also very engaging. Mm -hmm. So it's not about sitting there with, you know, a sheet of music in front of you and feeling confused by it and nervous. And it really sounds engaging because you play it, you play a, a note and then you ask them to try. Yes. And so I can see how it would be like, okay, let me see if I can do that. Yeah. That would certainly be more engaging yeah, than maybe totally. traditional methods. So what instruments worked with Suzuki method? So it was designed for the violin. Um, so the easiest instruments to break off and add to it were viola and cello and bass. Okay. Um, it started with violin because they make tiny violins. It's good for tiny hands. True. Two and three-year-olds can pick up a violin and make a good tone on it because it doesn't require a lot. The fine motor thing is tricky, but it doesn't require a lot of muscle strength. So really little kids can handle it versus a bass, even the smallest bass, uh, you would need to be 10 or 11 years old to handle that thing, you yeah, know? So, huge. yeah, huge. And then um, guitar was another one early on, and flute. Um, these are all, flute. yeah, wow, flute. I had no idea. Yeah, and voice. But these are all, like, things that are kind of gauged more toward early childhood instruments that smaller kids can handle. And then, of course, the orchestra instruments, because that just makes sense, because if we're all playing the same repertoire, then we can have a string ensemble, and we all play the same songs together okay and also i just want to touch on this you just said these were developed for early childhood Mm -hmm. so how young can someone start taking suzuki lessons on an instrument so the youngest student that i've ever taught is three um and i've had several three-year-olds it's it's fairly successful with that age three and four and even some two-year-olds i hear of depends on the kid (laughs) depends on the the parents and the kid and really at that age it really really depends on the parent because so much of teaching a kid that young is parent education because the the kid is two and they are loving doing it and they'll do it five hundred thousand times which is great for establishing it in your brain and your muscles but they're also two so their attention span is is two seconds and they're not going to remember week to week what they're supposed to be doing they're not going to practice by themselves so it's a lot of me teaching the parents and I literally make the parents hold the tiny violins in my lessons and figure out how to make a sound and that helps them empathize with the kid too and realize okay this is actually like really tricky yeah (laughs) yeah so at that age it's really more of the parent working with the kid at home that make that is why that can be very successful and also they're not going to school full-time probably so they have more time to spend on the practicing at home okay and you can't teach the Suzuki violin method to an entire class of three and four-year-olds is that correct (laughs) I would not attempt that personally because I don't know that it's never been done now and I have seen group classes taught at that age but there's always parents in the room and they're like one step behind the kid ready to catch the thing if they drop it ready to help when they lose focus all of that okay yeah and this is why SIA starts at kindergarten because you need that parent involvement to Mm -hmm. start it any earlier 
Okay, so how long does the Suzuki method take? So obviously this depends on the kid and how old they're starting and a lot of other factors. Usually my first thing when they, when my private students, when they hit their first hiccup and the, they get stuck on a song for a long time and the parents start to get a little frustrated, I remind them, I have them. I'll say if the kid is 10, I'll say I have eight years. If the kid is five, I'll say I have I have 13 years. I have them until they graduate. Now, I don't know if that's the case, right? but for me, that's how I view it is that I have all of this time. And sometimes a lesson is just about building relationship or figuring out a practice strategy, not about creating a successful whole piece necessarily. Originally, it was designed to take about 10 years to finish the course. Um, It's 10 volumes of music, 10 books. And the first book always takes, in my personal experience, more than a year because there's so much material. The, The book starts with the first piece, and there's so much you have to do to set the student up to be able to play Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. Twinkle, right. Twinkle, Little Star is complicated. Yes. <laughs> so they have to learn different rhythm patterns and how to hold the thing and how to do the bow hold and how to create good tone and which string is which. And that's there's a lot of groundwork you have to lay before even you can start playing the quote unquote first piece. But there's 10 volumes of music. And usually once they get past the first book, and that varies, it could be a year, year and a half, two years, depending on the age of the kid and what kind of skills they're more adept at and how quickly they pick things up. But um, once they get past volume one, it's usually about a year a book. Okay. All right. Very interesting. So 10 years, folks, it takes 10 years to actually (laughs) complete the Suzuki method, but, but very well worth it. So what's the importance of the Suzuki method? Dr. Suzuki's school in Japan was called the Talent Education Research Institute because he believed that talent is not determined by genetics or by chance. It's all nurture and very little of it is nature. That was his philosophy about it. I like that. Because if you think about, a lot of people will say, oh, I think my my kid has musical talent or musical ability when they're five, six, seven years old and they're first starting music in school. But you don't necessarily think about all of the early childhood that happened, all of the listening to music that they may or may not have done to prepare them for that. So he advocated that a lot of this early childhood, like zero to three time, was really what determined the beginning of their quote-unquote talent. Um, His other big thing that another big movement in the Suzuki world is that every child can. We believe that any child can take the adapted Suzuki method for them and fly with it. It just depends on the teacher and the parent and especially especially the teacher, I would say, to figure out what works for that kid and break it down in the pieces that they need. But Dr. Suzuki kind of was very countercultural in that way that he <laughs> he fought the idea of that there are child prodigies and natural born talent and that this kid is going to be more successful than that kid just because that's the way they were born. And because of this, he's, his philosophy developed more around developing the whole person and using music to do that. Um, the beautiful tone, beautiful heart thing, the having a, a solid relationship with your parent or your sibling or whoever's your practice partner at home, um, and the playing in group and the empathy that it takes to do that, the, the listening skills, the being part of a bigger machine, all of those kinds of things. So that's what's the most important part to me is developing those skills of being a good citizen of the world, really. Yeah, character education. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. I love it. Love it. That is pretty important. So, and I guess that actually kind of leads me right to the next question of, can you use the Suzuki method for adults? I'm sitting here wondering, now that I know it can be, you know, you can use it with so many instruments, can you start doing, you know, following this method um, in adulthood? You can. I think 
the biggest thing that you need to do it and the, the older you get now i actually i should have said this about myself i was a suzuki-ish kid um suzuki-ish. yeah okay. my mom started teaching me piano when i was four um and i did that all the way through high school but i started violin because my brother started in a suzuki group class at our homeschool co-op in first grade and i was um, four years older than him so i'm in fifth grade already and i'm watching and i'm like very interested and i started taking private lessons in sixth grade so the challenge i don't want to say disadvantage but the challenge that my teacher had with me was that I could already read music Mm. and I didn't do as much listening because oh I can see the notes on the page and I don't need to do that but then I would come to my lesson and play something incorrectly and she would go you didn't listen to your cd this week (laughs) so I think the challenge is the more that you think you know already Ah. it it kind of creates more barriers that the teacher has to break through to get to because little kids don't know anything well, they're open-minded and they, exactly they're be, open-minded um, profile trait very much so because they're just they're just happy to learn anything and do anything you ask them to and adults are like oh why do I have to do it this way I had one adult that wanted to take cello lessons with me um, years and years ago and she she did for a little while she was fairly su- successful because um, it was just a hobby for her and I think if you approach it with that oh I want to do this because I love it and you're very patient and you're willing to to do tons and tons of repetition. The hard thing for adults is that learning this method takes a lot of muscle memory. Okay. And I like to tell my older, my high schoolers and my adults that your brain is a lot faster than your body. And you can grasp a concept and your ears can grasp it and your brain can grasp it and you can know exactly what it's supposed to sound like right away. And then your body could take months of repeating it to get the sound to come out that you want. And I find that a lot of the older students get frustrated with that really yeah, easily. They would be discouraged. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas a young kid is, if he's screechy, I'm I'm going to be be the one to tell him, "Hey, you're screechy." He probably doesn't even care because he's like he's just playing and he's having yeah. a great time. I think as a rule, it it's not impossible. It can be more difficult. Definitely depends on the temperament of the person. And I definitely put more focus with older students on the philosophy part and the the whole self-development part and making it more about engaging with your your spirit, if you will, and, and the music then and your heart than just creating an excellent sound right away. Okay. So that's a lot of the principles can be easily applied to any age. Right. The, t- the technique and the step-by-step little tiny baby bites, you just have to be so, so patient <laughs> as an adult student. And that would be harder. Yeah. Adult. I can see that actually. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So can you learn the Suzuki method by yourself without somebody trained in the method? This is a tricky question because nowadays there are all kinds of resources online and there are YouTubers That's and true. there are Suzuki trained teachers that have resources out there that you can buy or you can watch on free sites even. The Suzuki Association of the Americas has all kinds of cool articles and advice columns and things on their website that you can read. The value of having a one-on-one teacher is that you get instant feedback and instant reflection on what you're doing for me or for anyone but I would say even for me it's really big challenge to be mindful of the sound I'm outputting and my musicality and also what my body is doing am I breathing correctly even like little things like that and I might not notice that oh my bow is a little bit crooked because I'm too focused on 
five other things. And I tell my kids this all the time. I'm like, how many times do you have to, how many things do you have to think about to play the violin? And they're like, I don't know. And I'm like, okay, you have to think about what your bow hand is doing. You have to think about what part of the bow you're in. You have to think about which string you're on, how fast you're moving the bow, how much weight you're putting into the bow, what your left hand is doing. Are you breathing even? Are your knees locked? What is, (laughs) and then, and that's before you even think about what's on the page in front of you. So it's just so much multitasking that it's really, really helpful to have somebody who's seeing you from the outside of your body to say, hey, I noticed this one thing. And Suzuki was also a big proponent of the one point lesson. And I try really hard to do this in my private lessons to give them one thing to focus on for the week. Maybe it's just your right elbow. We're just thinking about your right elbow for the whole week at everything you play. And it's just the one-on-one teacher is just such a good help to pinpoint those things. If you don't have one, then I would say recording yourself and watching yourself back is really, really important. That's true. mm -hmm. That's sometimes torturous, but that is a very good point. I need to do that more, actually. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So are there any downsides to the Suzuki method? Okay. So I don't, I don't, I hate calling it a downside. Okay. (laughs) Um, But a criticism that we get a lot is the, why are you delaying music literacy? Ah. And people are concerned about, well, when you get to middle school or high school or whatever it is, and you need to audition for an orchestra, you're going to have to do sight reading. And the kids are not, Suzuki kids are not able to play something that they've never heard before and things like that, because they've grown up so accustomed to hearing the piece first before they even touch playing it, hearing it hundreds of times. And I would say that it, depending on, of course, how early you start, but if you spend years working on your oral skills and your physical technique, then when you get to the reading music part, you have a lot more brain power that you can devote and more conscious brain power that you can devote to that because a lot of the other stuff becomes muscle memory. Your ears are working so that you hear yourself when you're out of pitch and you can adjust that really quickly or you're noticing that you're not in the same part of the bow as the person next to you. And you can see that out of the corner of your eye and adjust it really quickly because your body does a lot of that without your brain needing to help it. So when you have to focus on reading the music, you have that capability to zone in on that one aspect of playing. Um, And in real life, it's very, very rare for musicians to have to play something on first sight. The only time that we have to do that really is in auditions. And frankly, even professional orchestras and their auditions and stuff, they're going to focus more on the work that you've done on the prepared music. They give you musical excerpts ahead of time to prepare because that's real life. You're going to get your music a week or two or three in advance of your first rehearsal and you have time to practice it. So I would say that having that foundation in, in tone production, in the oral skills, actually helps them more when we get to building on the music music literacy. I would definitely agree with that. And just to add to that, I can say that my son never had any trouble when he transitioned from, you know, learning the Suzuki method at a very young age to trying out for middle school and high school orchestras. Yeah. I mean, he never ran into that. He even went to, I can't remember what it's called now. It's like all district or something. I don't remember. Mm -hmm. And then when they would go there, I think they did have to have some sort of sight music that they never saw before. I I do remember the first time he did it, he was very nervous. It's terrifying. Um, (laughs) But after he did it once, he was like, oh, okay, I know what to expect. So I don't actually think that did hinder any of his music, you know, performance or auditions or placement in any way, actually. And in fact, he ended up changing instruments several times. So he He had to learn how to do instrument. Yeah. And he had to learn how to read different types of music also. Yes. 
But now that he's an adult, he does hear a song and he just plays it. Yeah. He does it all the time and it, it blows me away. It's very I mean, cool. I'm, I'm so impressed by that when I see <laughs> people that can do that. Yeah. Okay, so let's just wrap up a little bit. What are some of the key points today? I guess first I would say that the Suzuki method starts at a very young age, which is interesting. So if someone is interested in starting their child on the Suzuki method with an instrument, at the age of three or four, a parent maybe in our school community, they could always reach out to you, right, Alex? Yeah, through Parent Square, and you could give them more information. But obviously, that's more of a one-on-one situation. Mm-hmm. And here at our school, we start in kindergarten and we go through fifth grade, which I think is a huge advantage for our students over other schools that don't even start yeah. until the fifth grade. I think it's also great that the Suzuki method kind of incorporates character education. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's wonderful. And I guess I, I don't even know if I ever connected that before today, but... I think that's a huge, huge piece. The fact that it's a 10-year process. Yeah. Wow. At least. (laughs) Wow. 10 years. Okay. And adults can try it too, although you might find it a little bit frustrating as an adult (laughs) because it does start out kind of, you know, baby steps as you put it. Yep. Um, You're doing everything very slowly and you're supposed to be doing it by listening versus reading. Mm -hmm. So I can see how that could be a little bit of a hindrance if you're an adult, especially an adult who already knows how to read music. Mm -hmm. But I just want to thank you so much for joining us today and explaining the process that we have here at SIA. We thank you for being an amazing uh, violin instructor. And well, actually, you teach all instruments, Mm -hmm. really. But so we're grateful to have you here at SIA. Thank you so much to our listeners for taking the time to join us today. Please give us your feedback on our podcast. And if you found value in today's episode, I hope that you'll subscribe, share, like, and follow us. We will be releasing a new episode every other week. And you can visit our website, www.straylitzinternationalacademy.org, for more information about this episode, as well as some resources about the Suzuki Method. And please remember, it takes a whole community to build a strong foundation for our children to grow and develop into the future leaders of our communities. On behalf of SIA, I thank you for joining us today, and I thank you for your partnership.